2: We accidentally min-cashed this week. It was it, you know, I preach, you know, you're either first or last. And then I built a lineup that min-cashed. This week I only played the double spy for the bankroll challenge. It was a $200 buy-in. I prefer, I, I like being able to have two lineups to review. I had thought later in the week, I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll review the red zone lineup as well. And then it gets all tricky because I'm like, well, I'm not on the record as having done the red zone for the challenge. And then all of the nitpickers will come out of the woodwork and say, I'm cooking the books. I'm deceiving people. So I said, I'll just on the record, just the double spy this week, just the double spy, $200 entry, 2,222 contestants. And I'm honestly not happy with my lineup. I'm in cash and I'm sitting here looking at it today. I'll pull it up in a sec. I'm saying, what, what, how did I end up on this lineup? Like there's like some of the correlations just don't exist. I'm just like jamming in like a chalky one-off play. Yesterday was a hard day for me building I had a few conviction things that worked out really well. I was very high on DJ Dallas. I did not buy the Chris Carson stuff, did not buy the Hyde stuff, did not buy the Homer stuff. I was on Dallas. I was on DK Metcalf. I thought he was going to be a little bit lower owned than Lockett. I love that game environment. Had some good calls there, but did not like how this lineup turned out. Um, I'll pull it up here on the screen. So the thing that was tricky was I knew I wanted to be heavy on this Seattle game, but I couldn't get the pieces to fit from the Seattle side. I just couldn't make the Russ double stack with Lockett and Metcalf work. I mean, I I could have, if I, you know, come off Kittle and just bring it back with maybe Ayuk and Bourne and try to save money that way. But I wanted, I wanted Kittle. You know, I, I thought if both Lockett and Metcalf go off, very good chance Kittle has a monster game too. Kind of kind of similar to what we saw last week, right? Where it was, you know, Lockett went off and then we saw DeAndre Hopkins have the big game on the other side. So the way I was able to make it fit was with DJ Dallas. And I didn't mind doing a skinny, uh, knowing that DJ Dallas could catch some passes too. He had five receptions here, got him at 3.6%. I think this was, this was one of those few times where having my hand in the dirt, grinding the news reports, actually got me on something that the field didn't end up getting on. Glazer had the report right before Locke that Homer might not even play. And when that report came out, I thought, oh man, at least 10% of the field is going to late swap to DJ Dallas. I figured maybe there were a decent amount of teams that had used Tevin Coleman at 4,000 as a placeholder. Maybe people had left $500 of salary with uh, Kendrick Bourne to get to Dallas. But then when inactives came out and Homer was in, I think people were still nervous about Homer and Dallas being in a split. And honestly, what sold me is I had read that Homer barely even practiced Friday, that he was still very questionable. The team didn't want to push him. It seemed more like an emergency back situation. I felt confident about Dallas. I was reading uh, quotes that, Hey, there he wanted to have all the reps at Friday's practice and Pete Carroll said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, we need you for Sunday. We we're not even going to give you all the practice reps to keep him healthy." So I I took a stand on DJ Dallas. That worked out nicely at 4,000 to get a, a back who's going to see the majority of the touches on one of the best offenses in one of the highest total games of the week at a stone near Stone Men price, I believe, for running backs. 4,000 is as low as it goes at 3.6% ownership. Sign me up. Now, the issue with this lineup that I'm now upset at myself for is I'm fine bringing it back with Ayuk and Kittle. I mean, you know, I feel good about that. I don't know what the hell I was doing playing Mims as a one-off in this lineup. I don't know what I was doing. I say it all the time. I say, don't play chalky one-offs in a lineup, and I did it. I didn't have the salary to get up to Berrios, but this should have definitely been Berrios if I did want to play a one-off there. I, I honestly don't know how I let this get through. I think what happened is I was having such a hard time getting the pieces I like to fit together that when one construction finally fit $0 left, I got all the pieces in and used all my salary that I just completely threw out the window that there's no reason to ever play a one-off chalky Denzel Mims in this lineup. Could I should have played Jacoby Myers. I should have played Braxton Berrios, anything other than the chalky one-off there. That was a bad play by me. And I honestly don't know why I did it. Chase Claypool, at least, even though he's uncorrelated here, um, we've seen him have these games where he goes nuclear, where no one else in the offense gets involved. He's getting rushing touchdowns as well. So I don't feel like, hey, if Claypool pops off, it means you have to have Roethlisberger too. I don't mind the Claypool one-off. Would ideally like to see it correlated. I think in a perfect world, like what I probably should have done, and I'm not just saying this from hindsight bias, I probably should have gone down from Claypool to a Mecole Hardman or a Demarcus Robinson to correlate it with Mims. At least that way, I'm letting myself a little bit off the hook with the Mims play. It's still correlated and those Chiefs ancillary pieces were low owned. And then with that extra savings, I can probably push up off the hunt chalk Because I knew this stack was going to be kind of chalky. Like I don't have a ton of leverage in this lineup. And I think just a couple of those tweaks get Mims correlated here with with Hardman or Robinson, two guys that I was actually considering when I was running the blitz optimals, not the blitz, just pure optimal. But if I added a constraint for a double stack with a bring back, the Mahomes, Kelsey, Demarcus, Robinsons were showing up in a lot. I saw lineups yesterday that took down tournaments. With that. I think that was very viable. Then I get that correlated. Then I can maybe get up from Hunt to Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara and who knows, maybe I Galaxy brain my way onto Dalvin Cook. So I think that was a mistake. I think I made a structural mistake in this lineup and I and I don't know why. Um let me check in on the chat here. Um good morning guys. Good morning. Nick says I drunkenly hand built my lineup Saturday night at a Halloween party and made about $30. There you go. Hand builders stand up. Hand builders um, yo, Zetra Damas, it's all good. Mims was in the first place million lineup. He was, however, it was in a chiefs double stack with the bring back. It made a ton of sense. And I actually had in my red zone, which, um, isn't on the record for the bankroll challenge. I had the Mahomes to Tyree, Kelsey, and I brought it back with Mims. And I think it was fine in that context. I just do not like it as the one-off. I don't, I, I, I don't like it. I'm mad at myself. Um, yeah, let's see here. Could have plugged in more and kept it correlated. Uh my brain is so frazzled. I don't even know what Oh, you're talking about um uh more on the Seahawks. Yeah, I uh I thought about that. I honestly did. That would have been better from a correlation standpoint. Uh Deshaun Hamilton, he was never on my radar. Uh he wasn't. Uh Judy I thought was vaguely interesting. I had one lineup where I had a Herbert Double stack where I considered bringing it back with Judy. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Thanks for the Dallas call, Pete. Look at me. Don't don't call me a tout, guys. I'm a, I'm a fanalist. I'm just a fanalist that knew DJ Dallas was going to get the majority of that work. I'm glad it worked out if you guys got him here. I know, no Dolphins D, what a fish. Yeah. I I was like, my thought on the wind heading into yesterday, and I was actually arguing with Leone about this, was the wind in that Cleveland game, based on what the meteorologists were saying, was those were extreme winds, like pushing 45 to 50 mile per hour gusts. To me, that was meaningfully different than the 20 to 30 mile per hour gusts in those other wind games. So I, I thought Kareem Hunt's going to touch the ball 25, 30 times, and I thought the Browns' D would be a, a nice play in a game where things could go sideways. Did not work out that way. Did not work out. Um, the fanalists, there's another fellow fanalist in here, Jordan Cooper. We're just fans that tell you what we do. We're fanalists. Um, all right. So yeah, I I think I made some mistakes with this lineup. Um, an interesting thing. I, um, I was going to show you guys this lineup in the red zone. It is not on the record for the bankroll challenge. I will go to the spreadsheet here. I did update it ahead of time. So I'm not having to do math. And type in things live on air. Unless that has like some kind of Monday morning ASMR effect for you guys, where you like watching me, you know, update my very rudimentary spreadsheet with some of these very simple Excel codes and functions. If you want that, I will going forward update the spreadsheet live in real time for you sick, perverted weirdos. But today I did it ahead of time. Cash line 151.22. I min cash here. I don't even get the double buy in min cash. It's a one and a half X. I mean, I can't even truly say min cash Pete is back. 1.5 X Pete is back. And I'm not just talking about how I listen to my podcast, guys. 2,222 people. So it was the size of the smaller SPY, but it was the double SPY this week. So you pay double, you get less entries. A funny thing, this lineup I had in the red zone, which I'll talk about real quick here, this Mahomes, more traditional double stack, get some chalk RBs, correlate Brandon Ayuk and DJ Dallas, yada, yada, pretty standard lineup. This lineup, 175.94 points, was duped, was duped in this spot. Because I was trying to see, oh, where would I have finished if I had played this lineup in here? And I said, how is it this lineup was duped? I would have duped. Can you imagine, I mean, can you imagine duping in a 2,222 person contest? I mean, some people can imagine duping in a 30 person contest, but I personally can't imagine duping in a 2,222 person single entry contest. Who would have thought? Who would have thought I could have gotten duped there? This lineup, like I said, made a lot more sense. Mahomes, premium, double stack, bring it back with Mims. I consider it again, Barrios. But I just thought Mims had more upside as the stretch X, more athletically gifted guy, Berrios, who's the, you know, the PPR machine. Did he end up with more catches than yards yesterday? It seemed like he was on that pace early on. I love the the little Iuke, DJ Dallas correlation, trying to capture a ton of touchdowns from that game if that game doesn't go off. There's lots of paths to Brandon Ayuk scoring and DJ Dallas scoring that don't necessarily involve the quarterbacks going nuclear, so I didn't mind that. And then uh, I ate some chalk. I forgot. I mean, I I literally made a cake that said Chalktober is over, and yet I still played Kareem Hunt and Jamal Williams on November 1st. What am I doing? Travis Kelsey at 6.8%. That's wild. Most of the ownership projections had Kelsey and Kittle pretty close. If you can go back and tell me pre-lock about these ownership discrepancies on Travis Kelsey at 7.6 versus George Kittle at 24.5, hot damn. This double stack actually starts to make more sense too. If I play Kelsey, Kelsey, I could have gotten the Mims-Kelsey correlation there and leverage some of that ownership. Another mistake. Again, I I wanted the premium double stack with Russ, but I'm at least saying if I would have worked in some correlation here and maybe saw that the ownership could be that disparate between them. Although again, I don't know how I would have realized that. That really surprised me that Kelsey was so low owned. Leone won the Thunderdome the only person to roster Travis Kelsey in there. Um, All right, I always get behind on the chat here when I go, you had that same lineup too, Ace Boogie? Look at me. Pete Dupes, Petey Dupes. I'm just a slave to the optimal, just rolling out the chalk. Petey Dupes, jamming the best plays. Who gives a crap? Berrios had eight for 34. Full point PPR you got to love it i i honestly don't know i think people like when i when i would talk about this game you hear people say i don't want to play the jets i don't want to play any jets it's gross like people i don't think could envision a scenario where the jets kept the game close here's the thing that actually ended up being a reasonable thesis they didn't keep it that close they didn't score a touchdown But the the implied team total from Vegas, spot on per usual, they had him at 35 implied team total. Patrick Mahomes throws five touchdowns. Vegas knows. And the reason it worked is because they were so affordable. The reason a guy can win a million dollars with Denzel Mims is because at 3,200, it doesn't hurt you if he only goes for 6.2 points. I believe I saw Levitan say he had two of these catches for 42 yards just in the first quarter and then did nothing the rest of the game. Adam GaSe, free us, free us from your tyranny. Giving Braxton Berrios and Frank Gore touches. Jeez, um, let's see here. Yeah, I think this. I think this was the narrative. Um, but again, like I said, if you just go back to that team total, you know, we're projecting them to score thirty-five points. We don't know how they're going to get there. Could it have been? some rushing touchdowns? Sure. Could it have been a defensive score? Sure. But there was a lot to go around and uh, it made all of those plays viable. Demarcus Robinson hit, Nico Hardman hit, Tyreek Hill hit, Travis Kelsey hit. Um, Let's see here. Let's see here. Oh, also shout out to Brian Hooper, man. On the bankroll challenge, he came on we were looking at some of those top sims. The top sims, Mahomes double stack, and had Naheem Hines in it. So sick. So sick. And again, we, we I ended up not playing Hines because DJ Dallas opened up. They were the same price, and I felt much more confident in DJ Dallas's workload. But it makes a lot of sense. That only dome game... Naheem Hines, we know he's an explosive playmaker. Did you see his gymnastics routine after that touchdown? I mean, pretty nice. Pretty nice. Um, let's check in on the Let me I actually want to look at the first place team in the double spy. I kind of glossed over that. Let's check that out. Who won here? Sirs, Sirs move a lot. Okay. This he literally has the lineup that I was starting to almost discuss. So he did the Wilson to Metcalf skinny. He didn't have DJ Dallas and he brought it back with both Ayuk and Bourne, faded Kittle, did the Demarcus Robinson one-off here. I guess that's not correlated with anything and got two really nice running back ownerships. I, I needed to have more Kamara. If I, if I would have known he was going to be under 20%, I should have been looking at Kamara more. Dalvin Cook obviously goes nuclear. Hunter Henry has a one-off tight end. I don't mind that. There were only like four or five viable tight end plays, I thought, yesterday. Obviously, Kelsey and Kittle. I liked Fant and Noah and, uh, and Hunter Henry. And then I was interested in Trey Burton, but then I saw Mo Alley-Cox was back, and it just felt, like a gross kind of situation. So I I didn't end up playing Burton. I mainly paid up for these tight ends. And then of course you needed to hit on Dolphins D. I like this lineup though. I do like this lineup. It's not, it doesn't have like the mega, any correlations outside of the, the, the stack, the four in that game. But I thought Demarcus Robinson was really sharp as leverage off of the MIMS and the burials. And who was the other cheap guy down there people were playing? I want to say there was one more sub 3,500 that people liked. Let's see here. Randy, Randy Hendricks over in the Roto Grinders chat says, that's him. Randy. Nice job. What did you bank here? A hundred thousand dollars, Randy. Nice job. Good thing. I, Good thing. I wasn't talking shit about your lineup. Look at this. Look at this chalk donkey. No, no, man. This is a nice lineup. I like it. Nothing too off the board. I mean, in hindsight, it makes so much sense, right? Like Demarcus Robinson, the guy we've seen has that established role. He's almost like the one-for-one replacement for Sammy Watkins for the team with the highest implied team total at no ownership. Demarcus Robinson is a very nice play. And again, I was looking at those, those blitz optimals if you put the constraint of a double stack with a bringback, And Demarcus Robinson was showing up in a ton of those. It was either Kelsey, or sorry, it was either Hill with Kelsey and Mahomes or it was Robinson with Kelsey and Mahomes. So I love that as the one-off play. That's the kind of play I should have been thinking about instead of playing the chalky mims. Like, what was I thinking? Like, why do I do that? Mims, as a one-off, at 30% ownership, what the hell? That is such a bad play. Sorry, let me go back to Sir Moves A Lot lineup. Congrats. Congrats, congrats, congrats. Kamara Dalvin Cook. Man, Another thing too, it's like, I say these things like these little like rules of thumb that help me, you know, just anchor myself when situations are coming. And one of them I say is I've said this on lots of shows. One of the last remaining consistent edges in DFS is playing these guys coming off of injuries because people get scared. They want to prove it weak. They want to see it. I was reading the quotes all week. Mike Zimmer said, Dalvin Cook's good to go. He's good to go. Are there any concerns about his workload? No, he's good to go. Didn't even have him in my player pool. I I, I got scared off because he's coming off an injury. And again, I'm not saying, oh, I messed up because I didn't have him in this one specific lineup. I'm just saying I didn't have him in my player pool. I didn't have him in a single lineup. Bad. Very bad. Um, all right. I want to check out the bankroll challenge league. I Here's the deal. I made this 150 people this week because last week I made it 200 and I had to do some last minute promoting on Sunday to get it filled. And nothing, nothing tilts me more than having to shill a listener league on Sunday mornings. Nothing. Nothing. So I'm going to keep making it 150 until it fills like 2 days in advance, 3 days in advance and then we'll we'll boost it up to 200 again. I can't I should I just be able to be to stomach having to do those tweets, you know, so 200 probably, but I have too much pride. I can't do it. I can't go tail between my legs DMing the listener league link to my friends, "Hey, will you will you run, get in this league so so it fills?" I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm willing to embarrass myself in a lot of things like playing Denzel Mims as a chalky one-off, but I will not shill a listener league link multiple times on a Sunday morning. Sorry, this was more conversation for me. You just happened to hear that. Um, I was sad at filled on Friday and I didn't get in. I'm sorry, Willis. That's the thing, man. It's a, this is the, this is actually the true thing. DraftKings just needs to allow contest resizing. They don't allow it for contests over 20, 20 people. They don't let it auto resize. So if you have 199 out of 200, it doesn't fill, no contest. I don't think about chalk one-offs enough. Do you try to make sure chalk is almost always correlated? That's how I think about it. Intuitively to me, if Denzel Mims pops off, I feel like most of the time that means the chief stacks are winning all of the money there. Because that means the Jets are scoring, it means Mims is a big play receiver, it means they're probably scoring fast, it probably means more possessions, the Chiefs keeping the foot on the gas more, and the Mahomes stacks crush. So like when you follow the logic of a chalk one-off smashing, it normally means that that passing game is as well. Like similarly, I, I did have that line of thought for Kendrick Bourne. I was like, I don't want to play Kendrick Bourne as a one-off because Jimmy Garoppolo is extremely cheap. And if Kendrick Bourne has two touchdowns and pays off that price tag in, in ownership, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the optimal quarterback. So then it's like, well, just play Jimmy Garoppolo in that case or play Russell Wilson and Bourne coming back. So that was kind of how I think about it. And that's why I think the Mims thing was bad. Matt Hudson came in dead last in the bankroll challenge. That's what I like to see, man. Oh, that's you, right? Mizzle fries? I think that's you. I did got to shout out Miguel. Miguel sent me a message last night and he said, dude, are you going to shout me out on the stream for winning this? And I said, hell yeah, Miguel. Patrick Mahomes to Kelsey and Robinson. That's that double stack we were talking about. He brings it back with Barrios. Look at the ownerships he's got on those. Really, really nice there. He plays Jonathan Taylor, which didn't work out, but he correlates it with the Colts' D, and he got some nice nice points there from a 2.7% owned D. He played DK Metcalf as a one-off. He played Darnell Mooney as a one-off, and Derrick Henry as a, as a one-off. I normally would probably try to have a little more correlation or at least one more second, but I I don't fault him for this lineup. I mean, he got in some studs there for sure. Nothing too chalky. I love having the stomach to go four wide receivers in the flex. I know for some people that's still a hard thing. We like the safety of those running back touches in the flex. I thought that was a super nice play there. Nice lineup, Miguel. I liked how you attacked this game. I dig it. Man, Jonathan Taylor hurt. Jonathan Taylor heard. I was going to show you guys a FanDuel lineup I made in the roto Grinder single-entry series. Might as well just pop over there real quick. So they got the roto Grinder single-entry series going on over here. I rolled out. Um, I knew I was going to have a pretty chalky double stack. You know, I was going to do the Garoppolo, Iute, Kittle, bring it back with Metcalf. And so I said, how can I get, get unique in here? How about a little Kenny Galladay, Jonathan Taylor, mini correlation. They'll be unowned. They're in the fast track, the dome, no weather concerns, low ownership. We'll win the Roto-Grinders single entry series. They'll feature me in the newsletter again. I'll be the cover boy. I'll be receiving DMs from everyone. Thank you so much for being an ambassador to Roto-Grinders and taking first place in the 200K Sunday NFL cover two single entry series presented by Roto-Grinders. That's how I envisioned it going down. But then Kenny Galladay got zero points. And I guess we're back to the drawing board. I did play Marquise Brown as a one-off. And Green Bay Packers, really nice defensive play for me. Got them at 5.2% ownership. Zero points. Always nice to take a double bagel in your lineup. Always nice. Anyways, I want to go back to uh, the bankroll challenge. You guys are sharp in here. I had the same lineup in the SPY... Where I cashed. Where is my lineup in here? Okay, same lineup that Russell Wilson won. I don't cash in the Bankroll Challenge League. I cash in the Big Spy. The Bankroll Challenge League is a sharper field than the Double Spy. Everyone give yourself a round of applause. You guys are too sharp. I can't even cash my own league. I have to run to the double spy to cash. What else do we got up here? Looks like it. Ooh, now, now look at this lineup. Dr. Evil does the Mahomes to Tyreek Skinny. Brings it back with Denzel Mims, but then gets Metcalf, Dallas, and Ayuk and plays Henry and Harrison Bryant as one-offs. Just nailed all the right pieces in those two good games. Definitely it's hard it's hard for me not to get on Kelsey if I'm doing the home stacks. Like I his workload and his role is just so locked in and so consistent that it's hard for me to not go Kelsey and then cycle through one of the receivers as the secondary stack, and all of them would have worked this week. But you can see why he had to do this to get up to Henry and Metcalf, paid up a little bit for D, had to save some salary in a couple spots. And, of course, I love the DJ Dallas play. Again, 7.3% in the Bankroll Challenge League. And what was he in the double spy? 3.6%. You guys are two times is smart. Two times is smart. Double spy? No. No. Double the intellect. Bankroll challenge, guys. Too sharp. Um, Let's check in on the chat here. Um, This was a good lesson in not filling out in the early games. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I guess I don't know exactly what you're saying, but I do think um, leaving room to work DJ Dallas in made a lot of sense. Like a couple of the the kind of two v twos and things I was considering was you leave if you have DJ Dallas in the flex. Let's see. Let me go over here. Um, well, first of all, you could have played. You could have played Tevin Coleman. If, if, say, Chris Carson was active, if you had him in the flex, you could have gone down to Kendrick Bourne. There were pivots you could have done with Kittle and Ayuk, depending on your lineup configuration. And then the other thing you could have done was leave $200 on the table and get up to Hunter Henry as well. So those were situations that I was thinking through um, just to leave yourself out in case... And, and I could have had um, this lineup, I, I just used the two running back slots here, so I didn't have the Hunter Henry play. But I do think it's important to think through those those factors. But I felt pretty confident um, once we got the Glazer report right before lock that Carson and Hyde were going to be inactive. I didn't feel like I had to leave myself quite as much optionality with having him in the flex. I know it's hard to look ahead, but do you think there is an edge in playing Tua against Arizona with Parker? Man, that is so, so far in the future. I can't even fathom it. But yes, sure. I think anyone against Arizona is pretty viable. They speed up games. Although it is very hard not to, if, if you're targeting an Arizona game, man, it's hard not to just have Kyler. Because he's showing us, I do the this podcast splash play podcast with Chris Spaggs. And we were talking last night of like who now that we're eight weeks through the season, who are the, like the trends that have emerged. We've seen in previous years, like Christian McCaffrey, two years ago, Lamar Jackson last year, where it's just like their role in their ceiling just can't even be reflected in salary and ownership properly. Like they're just breaking the salary cap basically. And I was trying to think through, I don't think we have anyone that's exactly like that this year, but Kyler is pretty close with what he's doing rushing, with how fast they're playing, with how much their defense is giving up points. I mean, Kyler is is getting there. DK Metcalf, I'll say it with this, one Seattle wide receiver. Like they feel like the Godwin Evans this year, where it's just like one of those guys is going nuclear each week. Um, we don't really have that locked and loaded bankable guy at running back this year where you just you just have to go to each and every week. There's one more that we talked about that I was forgetting too. Um let's see here. Oh, that was it. Yep, that was the one. Devonte Adams, 20 plus points every week. He's um his role is crazy. It was it was actually interesting. I mean, he only had 56 yards receiving yesterday and 3 TDs and you look at all of these, you know, winning lineups in my head, I would think, "Oh man, you got to have Devonte Adams." But even at lower ownership because he was so expensive he didn't find his way into a ton of optimals which i thought was interesting i mean obviously a great play but when you're checking the leaderboards here i mean we can go check let's see if we can find any devonte adams teams sir moves a lot in the chat no adams no adams no adams no adams Would this be fun if I just did this all day? No Adams. There's an Adams. There's an Adams. And then we got to see what did did he have to do here to to get to Adams? Well, had to punt a lot. P. Ryan at 4,300. Mims at 3,200. And Albert Okui Boonum at 4.6%. I don't know how some of you sickos got on Albert Okui Boonum. I believe two people had rostered him in the Thunderdome. That's a level of Galaxy branding I, I I could have not gone to. I mean, my buddy Davis Maddock keeps touting Albert O, but I thought it was a bit. Again, I think you can always punt it off at tight end, but I just really didn't think he had a role once Fant was back fully healthy. But he made that one target count. And he correlated it, at least with this Keenan, this Keenan play. And he did get in the Cook Adams correlation, which was nice. He just had to make some thin plays to get there. But obviously it works out. Two hundred finishes in sixth for 10K. I'd say that worked out. Say that worked out just fine. We got add more funds in the chat. Imagine him playing Dallas over LaMichael. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine it, but he also won ten thousand dollars and I 1.5 min cash. Shout out to add more funds. I went on their stream on Friday night. They do it Friday night at 10 PM Eastern. We got Matt and bime four over there, drinking whiskey, talking sports. People in the chat, I think were very upset. Someone said, do you guys not talk college football anymore? It was like, no, we didn't, we didn't talk much sports at all. Check out add more funds. Good peeps. Good peeps. Um, Let's see here. I know hindsight is 2020, but did you have any builds with Darnold Mims and Tyreek Kelsey bringbacks? It's funny you say this. I did not, but Leone, Leone was floating it in our chat for our tilt space lineups yesterday. We ended up playing three entries in the mega millionaire. And then we put that in a smaller $200 three max as well. And we didn't end up doing it. We didn't end up doing it, but, uh, we talked about it because you could do a lot of interesting things once you punted it off with Darnold. Um, let's see here. What do we got in the chat? Are we, uh, Jamarius over on Roto grinders. Are we at the point in the season where we just need to lock in one of the mobile QBs in tournaments? I mean, this is where, you know, I think it's fun to talk about these trends and I guess it's, um, you know, the cliche thing to say, uh, you know, these situations are so contextual. Each slate is so contextual. The pricing, the ownership, the contest size. So we can't make blanket rules of we, we only can use mobile quarterbacks. And again, this goes back to that stuff of not counting things twice, right? It good projections are going to have rushing usage baked into that projection. So you're going to be able to go and see, and you can sort in Lineup HQ by best points per dollar play. And yes, in general, will you see the quarterbacks with the rushing floor up near the top? Of course it's baked into the projection, but I don't think you want to count things twice. Like you wouldn't just play a quarterback who has some rushing equity over say Matt Ryan. If Matt Ryan has more projected points or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Like the ownership, or not the ownership, but the projection is already baking in that rushing floor. So just make sure you're not counting it twice. Grossest tweet I've seen today. Taysom Hill was QB 17 this week, outscoring Josh Allen and Carson Wentz, among others. I think that was Ryan McDowell uh, tweeted that. I actually, I was writing the newsletter this morning. I write the Fantasy Life newsletter uh, for uh, with Matthew Berry, and I was pulling some of these. That was one of them. Here's some other crazy stats. The Dolphins punted the ball nine times yesterday and won 28 to 17. Cooper Cup had 21 targets and was outscored by Robert Woods, who had eight targets. Josh Jacob rushed the ball 31 times and didn't score. Dalvin Cook rushed the ball 30 times and scored four TDs. And DK Metcalf had 161 receiving yards, two touchdowns, and lifted a car off of a trapped child. All things that were true yesterday. Crazy. Actually crazy. Cup had 21 targets. Yes, for the people in the back, Cooper Cup had 21 targets. He was in the air yards by a low model. <laughs> oh, man. Should we see what one-on FanDuel here and? Russell Wilson, Dalvin Cook, Gio Bernard, Brandon Ayuk, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Darren Waller, Tyler Boyd, Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. Okay. Okay, I'm glad we looked at this. Do, we, do my eyes deceive me or do we not have a naked Russell Wilson? H- how, did he, how did he win $20,000? With Russell Wilson in no DK Metcalf. That is wizardry. Wow. I'm honestly stunned. I'm trapped inside my house. I can't do anything. I have no additional stimulus. So what are the things that are going to make me drop my jaw? Winning $20,000 with a naked Russell Wilson when one of his receivers goes for 45 points. 34, I guess, on FanDuel, but Still. Naked Russ takes it down. He does bring it back with Ayuk. He correlates Adams with Dalvin Cook. Gio Bernard, one off. Jacoby Myers, one off. Darren Waller, 45 mile per hour Gus. I don't give a shit. Jam it. This lineup is wild. Absolutely wild. Tyler Boyd and Gio from the same game. No bring back. Raiders defense. Absolutely wild lineup. Last week I said these aren't lineups I would normally make. This is not a lineup I would normally make. But I have $0 next to my name. And RTDCU4 has 20000 next to his. He's the ambassador for Roto-Grinders. Sorry, I keep saying he. They're the person who's going to get in the newsletter. They're going to get all the glory. A naked Russell Wilson. That's only something Ciara should see. All right, that was bad. I apologize. That was really bad. Please forgive me. Will you guys forgive me for that one? <sighs> Send the FBI in. This dude has a time machine. Once the FBI is done arresting Soccer Dave for continually talking about his best ball teams on Twitter, they need to head over to rtdcu Force and put this individual in handcuffs. I got canceled for that joke. I'm canceled. Any other questions here before we wrap this up? I'm mad at myself for the, for the lineup I ran in the double spy. I think I did some things right. I did not give myself a chance to win first place this week. And that's what I say. I'm trying to do every week, and I failed. I'm still trying to tweak my Sunday morning process. It's hard. Still trying to marry that all of these things where I have my spreadsheet and those in the stuff I'm looking at. I'm trying to check the different optimals to make sure there's no like smash points per dollar plays that I'm missing. I'm you know talking to Leonie and Hoka about our Tilt Space lineups. I, I'm trying my process. I need I need to get it dialed in because th- mistakes like this shouldn't happen. I'm mad at myself for that. Randy Hendricks, Pete, you trying to pull up my spy lineup one more time so I could bask in a little more glory? Sure, let's pull it up one more time. We'll do it for Randy. Look at this bad boy: two hundred thirty-four point five four points. Did you have that in anything else, Randy? Russell Wilson, Kamara Cook, Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, Robinson, Henry, Metcalf, Dolphins. I love it. Do you know who didn't think about a naked Russell Wilson? Randy Hendricks. You know he was stacking them with DK Metcalf. Oh, God, yes, that's a great point. I was fully expecting to get body bagged by Derrick Henry. Whew. That was a bullet dodged. A bullet dodged. We got Zaxby. Back to the lab, fellas. Let's not forget everything we learned between now and lock. It's true. It's true. Zaxby, uh, he's in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. If you're watching on my channel, I have a link to that Discord. Lots of good stuff going on in there. Batting off ideas about DFS plays. We even have a cocktail channel in there now. People are posting these weird-ass stouts, triple IPAs, cocktails, it's a grand old time. The Deposit Kingdom Discord joins Zaxby, myself, and many others. Where around Boston are you from? This sounds this sound this question sounds like a threat more than a question. <laughs> I I live outside of Boston in a city I cannot say to protect both myself and my family and my lineups. This guy has a bad week and min is when most of us lose it all on a bad week. Gotta have a short memory. I, I, I'm saying that I should have, I should have lost it all. I, I want to be on those barbells. I, I'm not turning up my nose at min caching. I am looking at it from a process standpoint of I'm looking at this lineup and I messed up from a process standpoint. I, I really do think the Mims one off at 30% ownership when I knew it was gonna be chalky was a very, very bad play. And that's what happens, I think, when I go on all these shows and I'm like, oh my God, Denzel Mims, he runs a 438 at six feet three, and he has a six six three cone drill. I gotta play him. Can't fall in love with these plays and not realize the ownership getting out of hand. And again, Mims was fine in certain contexts. I do not think he was fine in this context. When are you willing to throw in a one-off? Are you ever playing anything not correlated? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm, I'm willing to play a one-off. Like, I think Chase Claypool as a one-off here is a solid play. I think at this ownership, with his ceiling, at this price, he even has a little bit of rushing equity, which you don't need Big Ben to help you get there. We've seen him pop off in a way where he's negatively correlated with the rest of the wide receivers where no one else does anything. So I like the Claypool one-off. I think the Mims one-off is awful. um yeah check out the discord um lots of there's good stuff going in there i think some guys even hopped on a video call or a voice call on saturday night i don't know if that actually went down someone let me know if that went down um yes i live in Chocville mass chocktober is over but my family moved to chalkville mass it's it's great white picket fence denzel mims mums and mims in the yard What do you think you can do to tune your process on a Sunday? Yeah, this is what I'm thinking about. Part of the fact is I'm busy. Like the the things I have to do is I work on the newsletter in the morning. That takes some time. I do a show from 11 to 12 Eastern. Then I hop on a call right after with Leona and Holka to figure out our lineups. Then I try to wrap up the newsletter. And then I generally have like 30 more minutes to get everything together. And I'm generally playing five to six lineups on DraftKings, playing one on FanDuel generally. And then on top of it, I'm having to go through my FFPC leagues. Again, no one cares how busy I am. I'm just telling you the, the kind of things I'm trying to work around. And if anything, the thing is I should probably scale back. I should probably not play on FanDuel, or I should probably only play three lineups, or something that makes it less stressful for me to try to accomplish it all. The problem is I like building lineups. I like getting my hands on some of these lineups, but I am probably stretching myself a little too thin. And I, I want to make time to go back after an act check updated projections, check updated ownership, rerun the optimals see make sure there's no plays popping up that I am overlooking. Those are like the, the variables I'm trying to, to juggle in my head obviously is, um, you know, points per dollar place who are just the best plays? Like, you, you know, Jamal Williams was one of the better plays that even if his ownership creeped up, I still thought he was a good enough play. I, who are those guys that I can't miss? Who are the guys with a huge ceiling that aren't getting owned? And I looked at that yesterday and I saw two names when I was looking at ceiling relative to ownership, Josh Jacobs and Dalvin Cook. Did I play either of them? No. That was part of my process and I just didn't act on it. And then the third thing I'm looking at is, is ownership. So ceiling versus ownership, ownership, and projected points. Seeing what the optimals are doing. And the the reason I like looking at the optimals, right, is because the Demarcus Robinson play. In my head, in my hand builder head, that's not a variable I would have had in my head. I wouldn't have thought about that. But when you run the optimals and you see, wow, this keeps popping up, with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in a double stack, that should be a little an alarm bell for you of hey, maybe this is something I should consider. The math is saying it's viable, and now you can do your secondary things. You can, you can scrutinize it. You can try to pick holes in it, being like, Does the math maybe not know something I do? But with the Robinson play, it may it made intuitive sense. They're gonna score a lot of touchdowns. He's very cheap. He's leverage off of the chalkier Mims, who's going to be the the punt de jure in that game. So those are the things in general I'm trying to juggle on Sunday mornings. And I, I need to streamline it more. I, I, I even like, I'm not joking. I want to have like boxes to tick. Okay, now go check updated ownership projections. Now go rerun optimals, like go through those things because otherwise you end up being an extreme version of what I was last year, which was the plastic bag blowing in the wind. You hear one thing. Okay. I'm going to go do this now. And then you hear another thing and you go do this, making sure you can stay focused. That's, that's what the process is about. Should you have paired 50% Hunt with someone too, or does it really matter for RBs? Well, I did, I did have a little correlation with the Browns game. I mean, if if weather was not an issue, I probably am correlating Kareem Hunt with like a Henry Ruggs or a Darren Waller. But I was I was too spooked by wind in that game. I felt it was unnecessary to force a correlation in that game environment. The total was plummeting. And so I liked having the Browns D and Hunt. I was kind of hoping that Hunt would have the game that Josh Jacobs did, where he carried the ball 31 times. Just a usage monster because they couldn't, couldn't pass. Yeah, I know. That Russell Wilson joke's not putting you any higher in the top 100 funny guys in fantasy. I know, man. Sometimes you take cracks. Sometimes you make a Russell Wilson naked Ciara joke. Sometimes you play Denzel Mims as a chalky one-off. You live and you learn. Um, all right, let's see here. 12 p.m. on NFL Sundays is the fastest hour in the entire year. Yes, it really is. And Randy Hendricks still in the chat, victory lapping. His Demarcus Robinson pivot. Trust me. I'm impressed, Randy. I wish I would have done it. Um, all right, we're gonna wrap things up here. What does S Panky say? I've been trying to streamline Sunday mornings, but once again, I ended up with a random lineup in a free roll. Outscore my days of work. This is the one thing about that, guys, is I would say, like, make sure whatever your bankroll is, whatever contest you're playing, make sure you are able to put a lineup. Say you're making three lineups, make sure you're able to put those in a couple of contests. Like, what I generally have been doing is I've been building five lineups. DraftKings has a $33 five max. And then I have my single entries. You know, I've been playing a couple of the spies, the couple of the red zones. So I'll put the five lineups in the 33 five max. I'll sprinkle those around into some higher buy-in single entry. And then I'll also put them in some lower buy-in three max and single entry. There's the $12 single entry. They have a $27 single entry. They have the $8 engage eight. So I have each of these lineups in three or four contests with the idea being like, if all the stars align, Everything comes together perfectly. We know how hard that is to do. Let's make sure we're capitalizing across a few contests. And if that's, if you don't have the bankroll for that, I would say you should probably scale down and not be playing in such a uh, a high buy-in single entry where you can't afford to put it in others. Because then you're just kind of shot taking versus really being able to capitalize on building a really good lineup. And another thing you can do with that is check the contest size. You know, say you put it in a 2,222 person contest, toss it in a 500 person contest as well. Compare the results. It's like, if you look, if you won 50 max, I've seen Smiz do this screenshot. You won 50 max, the millimaker and you won 50 max, the slant, your profit in the slant is going to be so much better because it's such a better payout structure and it's a smaller field. So you can mess around with that. You can have the same lineup in different contest sizes obviously you are catering your lineups generally to how big the contests are but i think there's a there's a range of of um entries where one lineup could still totally be justifiable in multiple different tournaments um no i'm just giving you a hard time randy honestly sick sick team um very sick team, yeah. And it's it's all, honestly it's very fun when people who are watching the shows and stuff have good lineups. Uh, Corey Volk, shout out to him. He finished second in the big red zone yesterday, I believe, for twenty five thousand dollars. He was with us watching on Tilt Space. Um, Leone ships the Thunderdome. Love to see it. We got Randy Hendricks in the chat. Ship in first place here in the Double Spy for one hundred thousand. Sick, sick, sick. So. This was fun, guys. Um, I will do another plug for if you guys missed the show on Friday I did with Brian Hooper, Brick75. Again, these shows that I'm doing on Fridays at noon Eastern are very evergreen. There are some, you know, we, we do talk about the slate a little bit, but it's honestly just pieces to help us talk more theoretically about DFS strategy. So I do really think those are evergreen things you can go back and learn a lot from. And what was fun about doing that with Brian is he's approaching it from a very analytical, math-backed, you know, projections-backed, SIM-backed process, but then talking through how could we apply these things to some hand builds. And I thought that that was really informative. And again, all these, these guests I'm trying to book for this are all people who are thinking about DFS with a very um, game theory minded perspective of we are playing a game. How do we beat our opponents? How do we get first place? We're not dissecting the matchups and trying to figure out which defensive line is getting good pressure. That's, that's not what we're doing on that show. There's, there's a place for that, but uh, I definitely think you guys would enjoy checking those out. I haven't booked my guest for Friday yet, but I will uh, continue to uh, book good guests. We had Jordan Cooper on, we had Brian's show, we had Bales his show. Um, So I will continue to find uh, these good guests here uh, to try to uh, help us learn. And uh, Jordan is obviously doing the same over on his YouTube, on Roto Grinders, lots of good stuff there. I I will plug there. um, The Theory of DFS podcast that Jordan and bime 4 do. It comes out, I believe you guys put that out on like Tuesdays or maybe Monday nights. Um, But another great way to recap the week through the lens of process and game theory and not getting you know, anchored to what just happened. Um, You know, after last week, we were told the chalk always hits. Well, one week later and the chalk didn't hit. So that's DFS. Let's uh, keep our processes locked in tight. Lots of good information out there to help us stay anchored. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for Roto Grinders for hosting and sponsoring us. If you guys are watching and haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that. Please hit the subscribe button. Helps us out. Give me the 2K. Give me to 2k subs. I want I want to tell my mom. I want to tell my mom I got to 2k subs. Can you guys do that for me? Um all right guys, we will see you on Friday for the build show. We'll be back on Wednesday as well on the Swellcast. Thank you. See you next time guys.